Hello, my friends. Jordan Paris here. Welcome to the Jordan Paris Show. I am very excited about this episode. Of course, I'm excited about every episode. And what I'll be talking about today is, well, I'm getting quite sick of being, along with 75 million other Americans, being character assassinated by leftists in the media and pretty much all leftists in general being called white supremacists, Nazis, fascists. And I want to dive into today, who are the real fascists? You know, people call President Trump, they call him a dictator constantly over the past four years. They call, he's like Hitler, which of course is just really disrespectful in regards to what the Jews actually went through back in Nazi Germany. But beside the point, back to the whole dictator thing. Jimmy Kimmel, you know, he calls Trump a dictator. Newsweek, here's the headline from them. Just how similar is Trump to Adolf Hitler? Again, just disrespectful. MSN.com, that's Microsoft, right? Trump takes tactics from Hitler's playbook. God only knows what they said in there. CNN.com, think Trump's acting like a dictator now? What if he's reelected after this? And then some soft beta on on LinkedIn named Alec Ross. He's a New York Times bestselling author and some professor, which is just really unfortunate. I've seen uh, from time to time his his posts in similar tone as to what I'm about to read you. Here it is. On the 21st day of the 21st year of the 21st century, I'm thinking about renewal. We need to recover from the trauma of Trump without thinking who and what he represents is gone. We need to defeat COVID and rebuild our economy, but not use the same strategies we used in 2008 and 2009. We need to do better this time. Pablo Picasso said every act of creation begins with an act of destruction. We have experienced the destruction. We need to get on to the creation. So, Chief among the cringeworthy lines uh, here, of course, we need to recover from the trauma of Trump. And really, yeah, I'm, I'm sure your life was really traumatic with Trump in office. I'm sure he really made your life miserable, Professor, New York Slimes, bestselling author. I'm certain, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I feel so bad for you. So this kind of rhetoric over the past four years comparing him to Hitler over and over and over and over again, calling him a dictator over and over again, calling his supporters fascists, Nazis. But we're going to get into today, who are the real fascists? Who's really dictatorial? I mean, last I checked, conservatives aren't the ones that are imposing blanket lockdowns, unconstitutionally keeping people locked in their homes. I don't really see any conservatives advocating for that. Never mind the fact that lockdowns and mask mandates don't work. There really isn't science to suggest that. In fact, there's science to suggest that they hurt far more than they help. You can just go to jordanparis.com slash EP223 for my conversation with a gentleman named Tom Woods about exactly that. But moving on, let's get to the incitement of violence that 
Trump clearly made on January 6th. He said, let's all remain peaceful over and over again in a clear incitement to violence. There's not one thing that he said that incited any violence. And there is concrete evidence in, actually, believe it or not, the New York Times and the Washington Post regarding the timeline of events on January 6th, concrete evidence that this was a pre-planned attack among this group of, this very small group of individuals, uh, and this is uh, only hundreds of people that committed this offense on the Capitol and a, a crowd of hundreds of thousands, but concrete evidence that this was pre-planned and the attacks begun far before the president was finished giving his speech. I believe about 20 minutes before he was done giving his speech. The president said, let's peacefully and patriotically protest. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. There was never an incitement to violence in there. Meanwhile, people like Kamala Harris, over the summer, she said protesters should not let up in the face of the absolute destruction that was the Black Lives Matter rallies, the, the terrible protests that were Black Lives Matter, the amount of destruction that they caused and the amount of human life that was lost, just terrible. And Kamala Harris says protesters should not let up. They're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. And that's, they're not, this is a movement. Everyone beware. They're not going to let up and they should not. And we should not. Cheering it on. Is that not an incitement of violence? Ayanna Presley, she says, there needs to be unrest in the streets. There needs to be unrest in the streets. I mean, that's as clear as day, incitement to violence, right? But no, this is a moral, righteous cause. She was just in saying that. It's about equality. Of course, right, right. We know that you occupy the moral high ground. We get it. Moving on, Nancy Pelosi. I just don't know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. There were. Maxine Waters, speaking of Trump administration officials, she said, if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. If you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. Of course, that wasn't inciting any violence. No, 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 no. The next fascistic, dictatorial, communistic trait of leftists of the Democrat Party, you have people like AOC advocating for enemy lists. You have the Trump Accountability Project. Google that, or rather use uh, DuckDuckGo, actually. I use DuckDuckGo, but I hear some shady things about them in connection, uh, in connection to George Soros. I haven't verified, confirmed that. Maybe use Brave's homepage and just type in the browser there. Get Brave on your phone. 
seems to be a pretty good browser. But yeah, the Trump Accountability Project, making sure that these people, that these Trump supporters do not get jobs, hold any notable positions. In fact, you have at Palmer Report on Twitter with his nice blue check mark tweeting this. Conservatives cannot, cannot in all caps, conservatives cannot be teachers, police officers, doctors, lawyers, coaches, or bosses. It's constitutionally unfair to others who are subjected to the conservatives' deranged judgment. Conservatives can do menial work until they're ready to join the human race. Uh, what? This is a thread, so here's the next tweet. We shouldn't be cold-hearted about this, but having a conservative as a police officer, for instance, isn't much different from having a KKK member as a police officer. So there he is, character assassinating 75 million Americans, calling them white supremacists. Back to the tweet. It's just not something that a civilized society can ever, ever tolerate. Next tweet. We should rehabilitate any conservatives who are willing to try. Oh, so noble. We should pay for them to undergo therapy and retraining so they can understand the world around them. But first, we must get them out of positions of influence because they're infringing on the rights of others. <laughs> right, right. Can't make this stuff up, guys. Then you have stupid, stupid publications like Forbes, which, by the way, I, when I was featured in Forbes, I was so proud of it. On my LinkedIn headline, it's, for the longest time, it said, Forbes featured host of the Jordan Paris show or Forbes featured host of Growth Mindset University when it was called that. I was so proud of being featured in Forbes. Today, not so much with seeing their rhetoric over the past year in specific. Maybe they've always been like this. Maybe I'm just paying more attention to Forbes now. But it's, this is so disappointing because it was always my dream to be featured in Forbes. So here's the, the Forbes article by the chief content officer and editor of Forbes. He claims to post on business, philanthropy, and food. His name is Randall Lane. Yet here he is writing this article called, quote, A Truth Reckoning, Why We're Holding Those Who Lied for Trump accountable, end quote. That's the headline. In the article, Randall says this. So what's the parallel in the dark arts of communication? Simple. Don't let the chronic liars cash in on their dishonesty. Press secretaries like Joe Lockhart, Aria Fleischer, and Jay Carney, who left the White House with their reputations in various stages of intact, made millions taking their skills and credibility to corporate America. Trump's liars don't merit the same golden parachute. Trump's liars. I mean, what lies? He doesn't say. He doesn't go into that, of course. He just labels them all liars. Everything they say is a lie, categorically. So Trump's liars don't merit that same golden parachute. Let it be known to the business world, he says. Hire any of Trump's fellow fabulous above and Forbes will assume that everything your company or firm talks about is a lie. We're going to scrutinize, double-check, investigate with the same skepticism we'd approach a Trump tweet. 
Want to ensure the world's biggest business media brand approaches you as a potential funnel of disinformation? Then hire away. Then in the last paragraph of the article, the paragraph right after that, he says, this isn't cancel culture, which is a societal blight, nor is this politically motivated. Right, because you occupy the moral high ground. Anyone who says this isn't political or this isn't a partisan point or anything like that, what they're really saying is, I believe, I know I'm right here. I occupy the moral high ground here. This isn't political. I am just morally correct and superior in this way. And you'll see people from both sides actually saying this quite often. Anyhow, that's the end of that disgusting Forbes article. You can look it up. Shockingly, they haven't taken it down. I think it's been up for over a week at this point that I'm recording this. Uh, I can't believe that they wouldn't take that down. I mean, they must, they must really, Forbes must really stand behind it. On to the next fascistic, communistic, dictatorial trait of the left. They're silencing the opposition. You have CNN actively campaigning to have One American News, Newsmax, and Fox removed from cable. Here's a tweet from Oliver Darcy, a senior media reporter at CNN, of course. We are going to have to figure out the OAN and Newsmax problem. These companies have freedom of speech, but I'm not sure we need Verizon, AT&T, Comcast, and such bringing them into tens of millions of homes. And I'm actually realizing just now, Oliver Darcy, he's quoting in this tweet a gentleman named Alex Stamos, who I believe used to work at Facebook. And Alex Stamos was on CNN saying this. I'll play the clip. We have to turn down the capability of these conservative influencers to reach these huge audiences. There are, are people on YouTube, for example, that have a larger, daytime, a larger audience than daytime CNN. But Oliver Darcy, he does have his own input. Now he's not quoting Alex Stamos. He, here he is himself in the next tweet in this thread. Just a reminder that neither at Verizon, at AT&T, nor at Comcast have answered any questions about why they beam channels like OAN and Newsmax into millions of homes. Do they have any second thoughts about distributing these channels given their election denialism content? They won't say. So there you have more disgusting, fascistic, communistic, dictatorial, Nazi-like behavior coming from the left. Nobody on the right is saying that we should be removing CNN from cable. We should be removing MSNBC from cable. The New York Times shouldn't be on the web. The Washington Post shouldn't be on the web. No, that's not the case. You'll, you won't hear that from conservatives. Because no matter how deplorable those media companies are, we still believe in freedom of speech. I think often of what Brian Rose said in an, in an interview recently. Brian Rose is, of course, from London Real, and he's had some a, a terrible battle against censorship over uh, really almost the past year now. But he said something along the lines of, we may not agree on everything. I might not agree with everything you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. Like, why can't we all just embody that? Oh, but you see, these conservatives, these right-wingers, they're inciting violence. 
didn't Trump yell fire in a crowded room? That's actually what people in comments have been saying to me on LinkedIn, people on LinkedIn comments, uh, whenever I bring up freedom of speech, like, didn't Trump yell fire in a crowded room? Like, what does that even mean in this scenario? How does this even apply? He said, let's all remain peaceful. I already covered this. But yeah, they're just going to label any conservative thought now as inciting violence, as racist, and as such, it doesn't belong on the internet. But of course, nothing that they say is dangerous or violent. Of course, they never incite violence because they're righteous. They're moral. They're trying to save democracy. Now, moving on with the silencing of opposition, you have the Associated Press on Twitter, at AP, sharing an article that one of their deplorables wrote. The tweet is, podcasts rife with misinformation remain on social platforms like Apple and Google as extremists exploit a loophole left after the tech companies crack down on other mediums. That's the other thing. Any conservative with a voice is labeled as an extremist. And you know, it's, it's funny. My father sent me something that I believe Mark Levin said, I can't confirm whether it was him that said it or not, but, you know, with everything going on with fascist book and Twitter and whatnot, he was saying how podcasts are the safest form of media now, the most free form of media. And this was just about maybe two and a half weeks ago. And I said, I replied back in the text. I said, that's a little bit naive. Apple and Spotify. Need I say more? Of course, those are the major platforms. But any platform that is owned by Apple or Spotify, you know, big corporations, big companies, and Apple has had plenty of transgressions of freedom of speech in the past. And I believe that once Joe Rogan made the switch to Spotify, it wasn't more than a few months later that Spotify employees were voicing their discontentment with some of the conservative voices that Joe Rogan brings on the show. So I really don't have much faith in those companies. And sure enough, a day or two later, there's Apple removing Parlor from their app store. And I said, there you go. So I'm really not too confident in Really, any of these podcast platforms, especially the big ones. But back to this Associated Press article. The article is titled, Extremists Exploit a Loophole in Social Moderation Podcasts. And the author of the article is a woman named Tali, Tali Arbel. I sent her an email on January 19th. At 9.14 a.m., six minutes later, she opened my email, and she opened it three times in a span of 20 minutes, and she clicked on sever, seven, <laughs> she clicked on seven different links in my signature and in the body content of the post, uh, of the email. She knows I have an audience of many thousands of people, 
which is probably more than many of the articles that she writes. So I don't know why she wouldn't come on the program. But of course, as always, I'm very kind when I reach out and I received no reply, unfortunately. So podcasts are next in the left's quest to silence their opposition. And I'm really not happy about it. I'm quite concerned. And I'm not 100% sure what to do about it. I mean, you can definitely join my Telegram group. I mean, that's not going to solve the, the podcast problem, but that I read their data policies, Telegram, and I trust them wholeheartedly. Uh, so you can join our Telegram group, jordanparis.com slash group. Plenty of patriots in there. We're growing. I hope you'll join us. So if this podcast gets taken down, God forbid, we'll still have each other there. We'll still be able to communicate. I, I believe I can send voice messages in there as well. So that's a pretty cool feature. But you know, this this silencing of the opposition and all these other things that I've mentioned today thus far, it's really funny how these strategies to quote, fight fascism, they look a lot more like fascism than the fascism they're fighting. And on that note, I have a couple of quotes here that I want to read to you. Quote, whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech. End quote. That's Benjamin Franklin that said that. This next quote, quote, the only people who wish to silence ideas are those who know they cannot defeat them with better ideas. End quote. That's in an Instagram post uh, or a tweet by PragerU. Next quote. Quote, if freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. End quote. That's the great George Washington, of course, our first president. A man of principle. A man of great principle. The next fascistic, communistic, dictatorial trait of the left. Here's a tweet. Donald Trump no longer has presidential immunity by at Kyle Griffin one. In the span of one and a half hours, that's when I, I saw this tweet one and a half hours after it went up, it had 87.3 thousand likes. Uh, and this tweet, and actually a lot of these tweets noting that Donald Trump no longer has presidential immunity, uh, is reiterating what New York Attorney General Letitia James excitedly said. So it's not enough that Donald Trump is no longer in office. They have to absolutely destroy this man. They are out for blood. I mean, surely we've seen this in places like the Soviet Union, but have we seen this in America before? No, we haven't. Next, Joe Biden, on January 8th, he said he would defeat the NRA, quote, defeat the NRA. Joe Biden, he's got your guns squarely in his sights. When, of course, he had 25,000 National Guardsmen on Inauguration Day defending him, of course, with guns. But no, you can't have guns. Absolutely not. Next, of course, the tearing down of statues that we saw all summer long. Next, maintaining that churches should not be open because, of course, God is not essential in a communistic state. Next, the whole defund the police movement. It's actually what they did in Nazi Germany. And so in Nazi Germany, only the rich could afford protection. Next, also in regard to Nazi Germany, the creation of domestic terrorist organizations like 
the brown shirts in Nazi Germany, to bully anyone that disagreed with them. I mean, what's Black Lives Matter, the organization, and Antifa? They're domestic terrorist organizations. We saw that all summer long. Oh, but they were mostly peaceful. No, they weren't. Actually, maybe they were, because 93% of them apparently were mostly peaceful, actually. Now, having been that there were over 2,000 Black Lives Matter protests over the summer, 300 plus, over 300 of them were violent. But of course, that's all in good faith. They're, they're fighting for the right cause. They're moral. They're just. And the one time that the right gets violent, that's no longer acceptable. That must be denounced. But none of these other riots over the summer, they, they, they can't be denounced. No, no, absolutely not. Next, and this is a small one, but it deserves mentioning nonetheless, you know, Joe Biden during his inauguration speech about unity and unity and, and uh, in that, another thing I noticed in that speech is he says, quote, I'll defend the Constitution, end quote. I will defend the Constitution. Yet he's doing nothing to stop the unconstitutional impeachment of a private citizen. In fact, if you read the Constitution, it says very early on that judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office. Trump is no longer in office. This is overkill to hold an impeachment trial at this point. So let's spell it out. What we're seeing today from the left, censoring, silencing, blacklisting, destroying their political opponent even after leaving office. This has all the hallmarks of the birth of a communistic, fascistic regime. And I'll close with a quote from Huey Long. Huey Long was a Democrat politician from Louisiana that was assassinated in 1935. But shortly before he died in 1935, he said, when fascism comes to America, it will come under the guise of anti-fascism. And that's what's happening right now. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of The Jordan Paris Show. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, there are a couple of things that you can do. Number one is, of course, share with your friends and family. I think that they would really appreciate it. Number two, we have a free community, a censor-free community on Telegram. You can join that group at jordanparis.com slash group. I'd love to meet you. And lastly, your voice is powerful and it is important. And if you'd like to use your voice and start your own podcast, I'd love to help you out. jordanparis.com slash course is where you can find my free course on how to become a rock star podcaster. That's all. Thanks everyone for listening. And I'll catch you on the next episode of The Jordan Paris Show.